Okay, we're good. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. I am your host, Kyle Leroy. Welcome to another episode of To the Table, in which two people giving each other uh, one another a movie and uh, that they've never seen, and they review it, and they talk about it on this here podcast. Well, joining me, I have Alexis Soto with me uh, joining, and today we have a very special kind of episode for you today. Uh, this is very. Uh, this is a very uh, chaplain-centered uh, episode. In which I gave uh, Alexis a uh, Chaplin, the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Richard Attenborough uh, directed movie, and he gave me uh, Modern Times, a uh, regarded uh, the Tramp classic. It's, uh, so I so it's we're gonna begin. Let's begin. The well, first I'd like to say um, we've been teasing this for months. So yeah. this is going to be the best episode to the table there has ever been. Best episode to the table. Bar ever. none. Bar none. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> and we apologize for the wait. Uh, we've been stuck in secondary the entire time. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very unfortunate. But uh, we're we're not jumping back and forth from factories to like yeah. all that stuff. Like, and we had to get like the cages. tramp. Uh, so uh, that was something. So let's begin. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Okay, you want me to go first and talk about modern times? Okay, so I'm gonna talk about modern times. Um, oh, wait, you you already said the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Alexis, why did you give me Modern Times? Was it just because I gave you Chaplin? You're like, okay, watch Modern Times. Well, to be look to be fully uh, transparent about our decision making behind these movies, uh, Kyle had really been wanting to, me to see this movie Chaplin for quite some time now. Yeah. And it just so happened that when we were talking about future installments of To the Table, uh, I was at the time taking this film class. Uh -huh. And in our film class, we were assigned to watch Modern Times. Modern Times, a black and white old film from the 30s, but also one that starred and directed by Charlie Chaplin. And as I, at that point, I had seen it, and I really thought, uh, considering the history that we that we learned about this movie, as it is regarded as one of the most uh, is one of his highest uh, successes as far as an artiste uh -huh. that uh, Charlie Chaplin was. I think that would be the perfect opportunity to have a themed episode because I, I I am a fan of themed episodes and we don't have we don't get a chance to do too many of those. The yeah. last one that we did, if I'm not mistaken, was. Um, All the President's Men and, and the Rocky the Horror, Horror Picture, Picture Show, Show. Much yeah. to Peter Martinez's. Uh, audible disgust wherever yeah. he is right now. Somewhere in the world, Peter is throwing up. Yeah, usually, when which we're is always here. a good time. Yeah, it's always a good time. Really <laughs> yeah. good time. Absolutely. So at that point, I was like, okay, great. I'll watch Chaplin because Kyle's always wanted me to do it, and then I'll give him Modern Times because it turns out he's never seen Modern Times before. Yeah, so. it's one of the uh, one of the few uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin movies I've never seen. Like mm -hmm. I've seen the kid. I've seen the kid. I've seen uh, Gold Rush. Um, I saw The Great Dictator. Um, I saw uh, some of the ones that he's like uh, well claimed for, but I the immigrant, uh, the immigrant. Have you heard of that one? Uh, no, I've not. It's the one where he's on. I've I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay, okay. I haven't um, seen that one either. But yeah. Um, but it's like one of those that that is like uh, synonymous with uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Charlie Chaplin, especially especially the kid, especially the kid that really right that really touched me. And we should like say a, uh, Charlie Chaplin has. A lot of the history of films, like Charlie Chaplin, if you do not know, is a very important figure in the early film industry, one of the uh -huh. big superstars, uh, one of the more, most immersive. He's basically, I would say, Donald Glover, because Donald Glover in this day and age is so multifaceted and, and yeah, talented. Yeah, like in he's doing ways, everything. Kind of like Charlie Chaplin was. And in a lot of the films that we mentioned, Charlie Chaplin uh, it, utilized his tramp character. You want to talk more yeah. about his tramp character? Yeah, well, the tramp, you, you've, you've seen images of Charlie Chaplin, and that's what the the tramp is. You know, the toothbrush mustache, um, the the twill cane, and the, the you know the the outfit, the suit, the black the black jacket, mm -hmm. and the and the bowler hat. Right. And that's that that was pretty much the tramp. Now he wasn't the tramp in every film. Uh, from what I learned is Modern Times was the very last film uh -huh. where he was the tramp. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, he, he kind of reprised it uh, in The Great Dictator mm-hmm. later on, but uh, that was mostly uh, uh, because they said that the Triamp looks like Adolf, and that's the reason why uh, mm-hmm. that's the reason why they, they did The Great Dictator. Um, so that was that and also modern times apparently reflected on uh, the great depression oh yeah about how people how it was very hard to get a job and very hard to this came out in the 1930s which was the the dawning of the great depression yeah i think which i'll get into i mean part of what we see in chaplin the, the the biopic that you gave me is that there's a scene where he's walking out and he sees a lot of people who are going hungry because mm-hmm. literally everybody was out of a job back then, and in a lot of ways, he made this movie as a commentary on how uh, mechanics were being, were replacing machinery was replacing man in a lot of ways. So yeah, I think it's very a very um, it's a film that I think was a social commentary on its time for sure. In a very educational and but fun way. <laughs> I'll let you talk about it now. Uh, modern times. Modern times. So you never uh, heard of it before. Uh, I've heard of it. Okay. I've heard of it, definitely, because I saw Chaplin, and right. they briefly discussed it in Chaplin. Um, I, I saw I, I always saw the image, one of the, when in terms of, like, people talking about, like, classic films, when, uh, when I used to see, like, Leonard Malton on TV, mm-hmm. I would see, uh, I would see him talking about that, one of the famous, uh, the famous scene where he goes through all the gears, and, uh, is, uh, trying to fix, like, everything, um... Uh, and I always knew of that image, and I always knew of everything like that. That was my furthest extent of modern times. I thought it was like a six to seven minute short film, and I was like, "What the shit?" It's like it's a feature length. It's film a feature length film movie. Yeah, it had a lot of comedic elements in it. Like it feels like a, several uh, short films put into one, mm-hmm. and to make one cohesive story. Right. Um, like you have the you have the factory you have the factory uh, two factory uh, scenes that really reflect uh, uh, the nuance and semantics that uh, the tramp would go through, and then you had like the, the department store. And then these, and by the way, people should know these are extended sequences because there's a lot of like antics that go on that build onto the next thing in these individual scenes. Yeah, and then also for the first time ever, uh, I was doing research on this movie is that it was the first time you heard the the tramp's voice. Yeah, 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 and so that right there was like okay, I got it. And it it was very because uh, he he spoke uh, uh, Germanic French, and uh, the way that he would like flaunt and taunt, and I I that that right there was yeah. Well, you uh, think about the scene where he's performing, and yeah, he's forced to sing. Uh-huh. That was gibberish. It, well, yeah, but based on it was uh, based Ger- Germanic yeah. uh, Germanic French. But to be clear, there's people who've seen it. He's not actually speaking it. He's yeah. just like throwing out the blah the blah the blah. He's just like going and those things and with like, like dance, um, just like that sarcastic kind of right. shit eating grin that yeah. he has is great, perfect. Um, I I saw the movie twice. I saw yeah. the movie twice because when we do these to the tables, I want to get like the full want to do your homework thing i want to do my homework yeah that's that's what you should do in a podcast like this you know so i did my homework with this episode, with this uh with this movie um i saw it once and then i i, I saw a, you know a charlie chaplin and then a paulette uh, goodard the uh, the heroine of the movie and uh, she was really good she was really good like all that expression on her face was there great actress great like i would imagine like she would be like the the jennifer lawrence or the natalie portman of her time you know just like something of that high regard mm-hmm. um she uh, the way that she would portray this uh this i guess like wondrous uh, bohemian right. bohemian going out like very eccentric and everything like that um <laughs> i i was like was she in uh was she in the um in Chaplin and then I saw it and it was Diane Lane and I was like, Okay, yeah, so that was uh and I was with that. Uh I really I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I don't know about love uh yet. I admire it a lot, uh but and I like it. Um, don't know about love yet. 
has to I have to let this movie age on me like wine. Um, but I really dug the comedy of this. I really love. I re- of course I love the performance little bit of it. Uh, that was a great thing. I liked. Uh, I liked the whole opening bit with the factory. Him with the wrench. Him trying to wrench everything. Him going like stir crazy. Uh, like obsessive compulsive. Kind of mental breakdown. Yeah, like trying to wrench everything in. Um, that it also also it kind of goes back to like the Great Depression. To, like right. where a lot of people were going stir crazy from uh, from the long work hours that they would have. Um, and that that right there was a little touch of like that. Like uh, there was like like buttons on a on a woman's petticoat, and he she would he would he would come at her with the wrenches because it looked like uh it looked like uh it looked like screws. So he would like come in with the wrenches. That was hilarious. Um, the whole prison scene, it was I was like, is that what I think it is? When one of the prisoners smuggled in cocaine and put it in the salt container, and I was like. Is that what I think it is? Is that is that is that is that politically correct back then? Is that is that safe to show? You know, because of course back then you couldn't glamorize you know the drugs and everything like, like Deadpool, like Deadpool, Deadpool freaking stuffed that cocaine in his mask and powdered it. You know, so uh, I was like, okay. And then when he was like continuously eating it and like getting high off the cocaine. Great, great comedy. Like the way his eyes, uh, the way that uh, I admired Chaplin so much with the way that he would contort his eyes, the way that he would, uh, the way that he would uh, manipulate his like facial expressions. It's very. I could see where somebody like Jim Carrey would take inspiration from a guy like Chaplin. Very vaudevillian. Very like, okay, your face is everything. Make it what you got. Make your face a tool. Which we should note, he is from vaudeville. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Classic vaudeville. If anybody was like, what's vaudeville? Chaplin. Chaplin is classic vaudeville. Uh, and you see, you've seen Chaplin, and you've seen the way that he acts. I mean, where he came from in his background and in an improvisational... Improvisation. Th- yeah. Improvisational. Uh, theater. Yeah. And you could definitely see the vaudevillian aspect shining and shining bright in this. Um, and he, the way that he would express, and when he was like, inadvertently help the help the police uh, capture uh, capture this uh, hostile takeover, uh, you could definitely see that uh, come in. Um, them constantly running away from the cops uh, was uh, was was funny. The department uh, department store uh, when he was uh, when he was skating. Uh, and he almost like a couple of times he almost fell down gave me kind of a nervous breakdown too I'm like don't do that <laughs> um, uh, a lot of a lot of admirable things about this movie uh, it is definitely a move like the the plot it, it's everywhere but I think that it was supposed to be everywhere it was supposed to be like okay just watch the tramp in action and mm. call it a day you know that that was primarily the focus of this movie, mm. and uh, it clearly shows you could clearly see the tramp in action. And the tramp's action was excellent on point and everything. Um, you said you loved it, and you even bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Why? Well, what a, drew a, you to this movie? There's a, quite a bit of uh, substance to this film that uh-huh. may not appear on you know when we're watching the movie. But part of the reason as to why this was on the roster for our film class is because our, our, our class had an emphasis in terms of film and then American society, uh-huh. uh, or films and society in general. Oh, films and American society. Yeah. Okay. And the thing, what was so, uh, in, you'll even see this in one of the earlier scenes, so as, as the movie progresses, uh, the tramp loses his job, and he gets sent to a medical facility, then he gets thrown into jail accidentally the first time for being thought of as a communist which <laughs> which we should know. so you're the leader <laughs> later in life he ended up being deported because they thought he was a communist but mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing which we'll get into but the thing that what's constantly happening in the movie is that he's being thrown into jail and he's getting released and the objective of his character is to just stay out of it but when he comes across uh what, what was the actress's name uh paula goddard when, when, when he comes across her character when they meet each other one of the early conversations they have with each other 
is having a home, buying a house. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why that was there was because that, in a sense, was the American dream. dream. Yeah. The American dream, uh, for those who are not in the know, essentially back in the 1900s, was commonly associated with if you owned a house, if you were, if you had the job and the financial competition to buy yourself a house, then mm. you made it in this country. That was the symbolic notion of being in America and thriving, which is why so many immigrants moved from their countries to to, to America back in those times. Ellis Island, yes. you know, you name it. Right. Um, and I just think um, so. Yes, and that that's why. Primarily, you see that happen. That that kind of becomes their goal throughout the whole film, by any means necessary. And I think they try making their own halfway house uh, toward the middle of the film. Then they realize we got to get jobs, and so they look for jobs. And for the most part, they're successful, and on a temporary basis because by their nature they invite chaos and the antics ensue, which makes for a very entertaining experience. I think what really surprised me, anyway. Um, modern times for me is I, I again I'm gonna be honest here I you I, I wouldn't I would associate you as with as being somebody that, that knows how to char- categorize humor by a, like a particular genre or category mm-hmm. I, I I can't I just know what I like <laughs> that's how I am I don't know much about art but I know what I like. I know what I like and I know what I don't like and yeah. modern times for whatever reason just worked a hundred percent with the I think the antic humor that kept happening with the tramp and 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 with the other one I think I just loved it I, I loved it because of how hard I was laughing I it really uh, I think the humor worked really well for me which was a big part of why it really did I guess sway me over in the end mm-hmm. um, but it's also uh, in a way it, it's a very entertaining film but there is a lot of material substance underneath it that's very um was very important and very relevant toward people in those days but even still to this very day um because this was happening i mean uh, we mentioned it earlier but part of it is that um the 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 factory the the mechanics of it is kind of seen as the antagonist in this because it's really what's keeping uh charlie chaplin's tramp character from having a steady job and getting that house and and you see it in the scenes where people are lining up outside to get a job it really I think it's really saying something about how it must have felt like to be in those days and kind of like painting this big machine if you will as what's going wrong in the country and we I mean if you do not know the history of Charlie Chaplin he was a very political figure he infused a lot of his personal politics in so much of his work. Even pissing off the right. federal government. Right. Primarily because he himself is an immigrant. And I know and again, we're we're in this to, in this day and age we're having very heated conversations about immigration right now. Mm-hmm. But it's I think this goes to show you is that it's never been a small issue. It's always been a very, very large issue. And somebody like him, and again, for more history for those of because we, we discussed film and the film industry and the film business Virtually every single CEO, uh, or the, the the founding fathers, if you will, of Fox and Universal and the Brothers Warner, they were all immigrants that came here from different countries. Yeah. And I think that really goes to show you, if they did not come here to this country and essentially work on what they did, we wouldn't have the things that we have today. So, and that I think it's evidence all you need that immigrants do improve this country. That's my soapbox. But that's what that's what Charlie Chaplin felt, and yeah. that's what he so much infused in these movies. Um, which, and then of course, and then he made yeah. one of the greatest uh, 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 satires of all mm-hmm. time called "The Great Dictator." Right, right. Which back then, when it was first made, blew the brains out of every every American. Uh, living in America mm-hmm. back then, um, like oh you can't you know do that you know Adolf Hitler will come at you with the you know an iron fist and everything like that. Um, but then uh, as the war grew on and the war- and the Americans became more jaded, um, it became 
more evident that this was a masterpiece. Right. And I think it's also a key as to why this movie works so well. When you said the word jaded, I think this is like the most anti-jaded movie you can possibly get. Because I think through it all, through all of what they endure and how many times they fail, the film ends. With, with them walking off into the sunset and they... Uh, we're going to get through this. Uh, Paulette and, right. uh, and the tramp look off into the sunset, you know, kind of optimistic. Right. But remember what he says to her. And that's really, in a way, Charlie Chaplin speaking to all of America. It's okay. We're going to get through this in the end. We've we've been through this before. Yeah, cut your tears. Let's uh, let's pull through this, right. and that's the only way to you know feel hope at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the notion going into the movie. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have your comedy. Yeah, you have you know your bits, your your political uh, uh, discussions in there. But at the end of the uh, the core bit of uh, of uh, I guess the last and the moral of the story is uh, things may seem bleak. But uh, stay optimistic, and it may wind up better in the end. I think all of the individual sequences are great. I think there is a, a lining thread through all of that. Is what their goal is. Uh -huh. I think uh, the comedy is gold. I think the trap yeah. is amazing, and I personally do love the score of the yeah, film. The way that uh, he walks right, and right. I think, the, I think the score was was beautiful, and through it all, I, I do want to say. Because um, we will get into this in our Chaplin discussion. Is uh, Charlie Chaplin himself was a very uh, hands-on. He was very hands-on, but he was very against the idea of talkies, as they yeah. were being known as back then. Talkies are um, gonna be big, kid. <laughs> you know, talkies, which were, we're talking about films that actually have audio in them, because for the most part, this is a silent movie. Yeah. Uh, to, to be quite honest with you, considering what I saw in in, uh, in Chaplin, the fact that this had any audio at all inserted anywhere the fact that he had his voice in this Her. movie yeah i think that moment in the in the movie where he does sing mm -hmm. um i think that's just to, to emphasize i think uh if it was any other like situation he would just have the tramp completely silent right but uh it was just to emphasize the comedy and that's uh and that's where uh, he he really emphasized uh what he did with his comedy uh uh, criteria mm -hmm. is that you know there was moments where he was like okay this moment uh the tramp will will speak but it's gonna be the most profound uh thing ever and my favorite sequence in, in that is when he's doing the gibberish uh germanic french kind of thing um and uh the wink and the smile and everything really emphasized uh what chaplet can do i love how we, yeah, for me personally i love this bit before that where he's trying to get uh, um, uh, food to the customer and it, he ends up <laughs> completely uh, torpedoed all the way throughout. Yeah. He cannot get to him. Like he, he ends up getting close and the crowd pushes him this way and the chicken gets stuck on the chandelier. Lear. Yeah, it's, just, it's like an endless circus. And uh, that, that could be said about a lot of vaudevillian comedies. It's that it's just the endless cycle yeah. of uh, things going wrong. Uh, Which somebody, is funny. Somebody's in pain. Somebody's uh, somebody suffering, and that's one of the bases. And we all know. Uh, I, I, I maybe this, you can you can call it this way, but I'm a I I really am a sucker for when situations where everything goes wrong and it's funny. Yeah. Case in point, a lot of our old shows. Uh, or you would hear me laughing the guy you know in the back yeah things back like, back when we used to do a thing called the BNC um I, I God forbid you watch that shit or even some of the early episodes here in this um show. but nevertheless uh yeah a lot of uh key groundbreaking things in comedy was that it was based on some sort of discomfort yeah and that is that is one of the you know primary roots of comedy like oh somebody's somebody's obviously in pain or somebody's obviously uh, discomforted um, it kind of makes your your feelings on uh, your situation it's kind of like escapism like oh somebody has it worse than I do and uh, and that's where escapism came from and that's where a lot of film uh, really stems from is escapism that's why back then you had your Flash Gordons and you had all your other things going in because uh, at the end of the day, movies is supposed to be something uh, to escape with. It's an escape, uh, an escape route. You know, it's, it's why it's called escapism. You know, it's, uh, escape, escape. Yeah. So I, I, 
that is a primary example of like escapism but this one really uh, combined both escapism and realism and uh, really did it good it really did it justice see me marrying the two and um, it's rare for something to do that because it's usually one way or the other it's completely bashed and insane where it's like okay it's complete escapism like Star Wars Star Wars is complete escapism we can't go one show without mentioning Star Wars can we uh, no, no, we can't. You could have said Indiana Jones. Uh, Indiana Jones, yeah. Uh, or Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. But you had to go Star Wars. Harry Potter. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, but the uh, primary factor is, uh, you know, just, that's a primary example of escapism versus yeah. something like uh, All the President's Men, uh, The Post, and everything like that. It has a sense of realism with it. And that's very reflective upon society today. Usually, it can't go both mm-hmm. uh, both ways. Um, usually, it has to be one or the other because um, one side could be completely political. Besides, all this is just extra because I think at, at its core, this is a very entertaining film that um, I think why I so enjoyed this is because I think it really just... I know I, I shouldn't be saying this because a lot of great films were back in the day, mm. but... It really just it boggled my mind to think that I I just had so much fun with a movie that was made back in the 1930s. Yeah. Um, and how great it was and how timeless it felt. It shows it shows like how uh, good a movie can age once uh, you know heart. That's that's what you gotta gotta put with modern times. You could definitely see like a lot of heart, and you see a little bit of it in Chaplin where he poured his heart and soul into this movie, even completely avoiding family life altogether mm-hmm. because he was so dedicated to this movie and you could definitely see that there was a lot of heart and passion poured into this um, it, may, it may not be my favorite Chaplin piece, my favorite Chaplin piece it will always be the kid um, but I, I, I always I like seeing Chaplin in action, especially Chaplin at his prime um, and you definitely see Chaplin in his prime, and it is a gold example of what Chaplin in his prime can be. Um, so yeah, I have no other further thoughts of of, Cha- of, uh, of this movie. Uh, if you're if you're interested in seeing Chaplin's uh, filmography, this is a definite uh, check out to be. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, yeah. So Alexis. Shall we dive into Chaplin? Mm. So Chaplin is your, I guess, and I do not mean this in a negative way, but your stereotypical biopic in yeah. a sense, where it kind of depicts the entire lifespan of Charlie Chaplin from yeah. birth to death for the most part. Well, to like toddler, early childhood. Early childhood, yeah. Yeah, because... You see him as like a curly-haired kid, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the movie, and then transitions into where he's like an old man right. to death. You know, um, when I first uh, I give this to you because uh, number one, it is one of the quintessential Robert Downey Jr. movies to watch. Mm. Um, yeah, pick your pick and choose your MCU film. Charlie Chaplin, the Chaplin movie is definitely quintessential uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie. You have a great performance. He is stellar. He sinks into the role of Chaplin and... Pretty much is Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, and the way that he performs him and the way that he, you know, the mannerisms and everything like that. If you've heard interviews, like press interviews back then with Charlie Chaplin, when you hear it, it's kind of... I'm gonna give. I'm gonna get. This is a rare moment where you're gonna hear a positive about Solo, a Star Wars story. It's like it's like Donald Glover uh, as Lando. If you hear uh, Donald Glover speak, you hear Billy D. Williams. That's the same way with uh, with uh, Downey and uh, Chaplin. You you hear his voice, you hear Chaplin, and that's one of the things I was like completely awestruck like how somebody could uh, it wasn't until years later 2013 when we saw Saving Mr. Banks and Tom Hanks sunk into the role of Walt Disney it's like those moments where I'm like okay this is a fan-fucking-tastic way that they would sink into a role so that's one of the reasons why I gave it to you number two uh, the story of Chaplin Charlie Chaplin is an incredibly story uh, an incredible story to tell 
and uh, I just wanted you to see what the what was behind the man, the myth, and the legend. And uh, I, I've done my homework and like to see which one was glamorized and everything like that. It seemed pretty on the nose, the way that the movie presented itself and the way that everything like that. Yeah, when he's like talking about like, oh, they don't make him like they used to, you know that 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 uh, that's obviously glamorized. But I know that J. Edgar Hoover was horrible to Charlie Chaplin. I know that a lot of things really did happen in the way that they did, so it wasn't like a whole entire glamorized Hollywood. Well, I mean, that's true because with biopics, you do have to do your your share of research because I mean, there are movies, and yeah, I mean, you have to do certain things. Like I know with Mr. Banks, um, P.L. Travers's friend, uh, played by Paul Giamatti, that didn't exist, right? Yeah. Doesn't well, exist. it's kind of like uh, Anthony Hopkins in this movie, mm-hmm. in which he did not exist, but. The, um, but the questions that he was presenting was questions that Chaplin himself questioned himself right. when uh, when he was doing his audio bi- autobiography. Right. Um, so in a way, he kind of presented like the id, ego, and superego of Chaplin's mind when he uh, when he questioned all that stuff. So um, Alexis, what did you think of Chaplin? Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very. Uh, I think it was great to have seen this after learning about him in class and watching uh-huh. Modern Times, and you really do get a full picture of what you said, the man, the myth, the legend. You really do get a sense of who he was and what he thought and what he wanted to do in life. Um, I think, I mean, I knew uh, that he came from vaudeville, but obviously very entertaining to see those scenes where he was uh, kind of a gifted comedian. Yeah. Uh, it really, from early on, just had a talent and knack. When he played a drunk... On that. <laughs> that was amazing. That was a great scene. Yes, that yes. Uh, and so uh, I think, if anything, at the end of the day, uh, I had such tremendous respect, but I think this really just solidified um, what a gargantuan figure he was mm-hmm. for so many things, but in particular for film. Uh, for, for for us that we kind of talk about this li- literally on a daily basis and just obsess over different kinds of movies, and we have our favorites and not so favorites but it's always important to have the sense of history mm-hmm. and Charlie Chaplin uh, is history right it's history uh, one, uh, and an artiste who made all of these great films it is also I think uh, I appreciated how it kind of transitioned from different stages of his life from where he went to Hollywood and all the things how he got his his start and to all of the films that he was making I think um it was very well made uh, and I think there's really not a, a performance in, in this movie that I don't like uh, I think it was very enjoyable I'll say to see this and I think for obviously the main thing to see here as a movie that stands on its own is Robert Downey Jr. as Charlie Chaplin yeah. it's a, a great performance for, for him is this the first uh, Downey Jr. movie that you've seen outside like no. To, to the vein of uh, Sherlock or oh, the MCU? I thought you were going to say strictly MCU. Yeah. I know I've seen the Sherlock films. Uh-huh. I want to say I've seen him in other things, but I can't think of it right now. Okay. But, no, wait, I've seen The Judge. The Judge, the judge. yeah. Which okay. was, I mean, we, we saw It's that. a good movie. We saw it's it. a good yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I cried because uh, yeah. there's a good mm-hmm. chemistry between uh, Duval and... Duval Danny. was great. Duval, yeah. Because that, that movie is worth it to see Duval. What you got? I'm going to an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, um, it's uh, it's it's truly a testament of what uh, Downey could do, you know. And I've seen other movies with him, mm-hmm. you know. And I've seen uh, less There's than Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, Kiss, which I Kiss, not Bang, seen. Bang, uh, Less Than Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also a great movie. Um, he did a movie I forgot, but it was with Marissa Tomei, which she's also in this movie. Um, uh, so him with the him with Marissa Tomei. Uh, they did a romantic comedy where they were uh, where they were paired. Um, insert insert your Tony Stark uh, Aunt May uh, uh, joke here. When did this movie come out? I would say ninety three. Wow. I would say ninety three. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They Downey's been in business for a long time. Um. So this is before the whole. The whole shebang that went on. Yeah, obviously, but this is definitely a good good little thing um it uh 
a lot of great actors, a lot yeah. of great actors in this. Uh, you had uh, the great, you had the, I think, granddaughter of uh, Charlie Chaplin uh, herself, Geraldine Chaplin, and she played her grandma. She played, uh, she played Charlie Chaplin's mother. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So you had somebody of blood play right. uh, somebody in Charlie Chaplin uh, in, in this movie. Um, and she did a great job, you know, portraying that, uh, what she's got. With it's very sad illness. to see, obviously. Very sad, yeah, especially yeah. when she's crumbling uh, the bread and everything like that. It's, like, very, very, uh, like, kind of hard to watch, you know. So that was a good scene. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. obviously is great. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, when he, just seeing... <laughs> Just seeing Odin and Stark together is great. Um, it, didn't, I, it never crossed my mind. That, that's o- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Odin and Stark. <laughs> Which they never had one scene together in the MCU. Yeah, a very very missed opportunity right, now. Right. Um, but I think that that was a good little. Uh, those were little good moments of that. Um, Maura Kelly, you might know her. Uh, she did the voice of Nala in The Lion King. Mm. Uh, she played Una. Uh, the the his uh, lover uh, Henriette I think, and then uh, she played Una uh, Chaplin towards the end his final wife, mm-hmm. um, in which uh, that's who uh, Geraldine Chaplin's uh, mother is, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he named his uh, she named going back into history she named her daughter after Una. And uh, not only that, uh, she you may have seen her uh, uh, Geraldine's uh, uh, child uh, daughter in uh, Game of Thrones, and she was Rob Stark's wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was Rob Stark's wife in Game of Thrones. So you got that. You got that a little bit. Um, she met a horrible end. Actually. Yeah, great horrible end. Um, but nevertheless, you you've seen her before. Um, uh, Kevin Klein, he was he was good in that. Diane Lane was good in it. Um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of big names. A lot of big names. Dan Aykroyd, as uh, as one, yeah. as one of the big uh, directors of there. Uh, Marissa Tomei was in there. He's just got a long laundry list of big names. You know, it's also just a great a way of uh, even if you don't care so much for Charlie Chaplin per se. It's also a great chance to see how movies were made back then. Yeah. You know, the, a film has a wide girth of history, especially from its beginnings. A lot of the things that I learned this past year in terms of where film came from and how it got started are really mind-blowing in so many ways. But in terms of how the film business was back in those days, a very star-oriented era, you see he was friends with Douglas Fairbanks uh, and many, many people. Um, and yeah, but also there, one of his... Um, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie when he was uh, flexing on his personality, his uh, how very anti-Nazi he was, and yeah. how he wasn't shy about that at a time when people were like, there was a scene at a party where there were Nazis there, and people were like treating them like these revered guests, and he's like, he's like, I don't make deals with Nazis, no, and then it's... and then the and then uh, one of the guys yeah. like because there's like a it's a myth that he's a he's a Jew. Um, there's a myth where uh, Charlie Chaplin was a Jew, and he said, "No, I'm not a Jew, but I'd be honored if I were one." You know, right in front of a Nazi. You know, after he did the whole tirade of like, "Oh, Jews are this and this and this." You know, so that was uh, uh, just seeing moments like that is a, a great testament of what kind of person Chaplin mm-hmm. was, and um, also reminds us of what a tumultuous time. In the world it was back in those days. There's so many films that we, we were even discussing but off air about like Casablanca and Indiana Jones that deal with Nazis and in, in, in different kinds of, of ways. And it, it like Casablanca really just shows what the world was like then, what it was like to live life when literally everything around you was falling apart. Yeah. But it was, I think it was, as far as Chaplin is concerned, uh, it was very much in line with his identity and his personality to be that forward with his beliefs and everything and I'm glad that wasn't shied away from yeah although I mean in the 90s Nazis weren't as popular as they are right now yeah um which is um, sad but that's the truth unfortunately um there was uh there were a couple of moments in the movie where they would uh there would show scenes of like uh him transitioning and doing all that stuff in the fashion of uh of one of uh 
Chaplin's movies. Like it would like overcrank the camera, mm-hmm. um, show uh, show them doing like comedic bits. Like when uh, he was in Salt Lake uh, City, Utah, c- completing the kid, um, it it showed like in a comedic fashion him getting into the hotel, him putting it together, and then him getting out of the hotel in a comedic fashion, the way that uh, one of his old movies would. Mm. Um, that, that was also a nice little added touch that Richard Attenborough uh, put on um, so that was that was cool to see um, a lot of a lot of good things I like uh, I like a couple of quotes in the movie yeah um, Dan Aykroyd when he when he was like showing Chaplin the rope the ropes um, there was a moment where he was like oh, the cutting room floor Chaplin that's some place you don't want to be and then the way that he showed and uh, I like how they took it like they they had like a shot where one of the persons were editing the film as it went on and you mm-hmm. uh went into the negative room right. and saw the film negatives um really i love one of my favorite things seeing biopics or uh biography movies is the um is seeing the process of everybody like uh, Love and Mercy, I loved seeing the creative process of Brian Wilson's mind making pet Jesus sounds. Mr. Banks, Finding Neverland. Yeah, the list goes on. I love seeing the creative process behind all Disaster this. Disaster Artist? Does that qualify? Uh, yeah. It, it, that uh, was an interesting creative process. Yeah. You're to be put or, or not, not to be. be. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> You're an actor. Act like actor. <laughs> What's the line again? Uh, and it was uh, what, what was that scene? There was this extended scene where he could not get the the line where he throws the water bottle the water bottle off the rooftop. It's oh, like, I, I did, did not, not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, stuff like that. It's very very interesting seeing the creative process of that. <laughs> I mean, it was out there with the disaster <laughs> artist. But I uh, just seeing the creative process. I don't. I don't want to get too off, too much off tangent. But like there was, that that whole thing was really stupid because they spent money to build a set next to a street alley that, that looked that exactly looked like, like it. it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like this is big Hollywood movie. movie. <laughs> uh, I I love that movie. That's what I, I love it. There's a reason why I was in my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was really, it was a really well, well done uh, movie, Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Um, especially of it, especially of its times. Oh, this the founder is, would be in that category as well, right? The founder of Michael Keaton. Yeah, it's more of a behind the scenes. Well, it's not the more of a creative process. Yeah. It's more of like showing how conniving uh, Kevin was, mm. you know. Getting it from the McDonald's brothers. It can be creative, right? That, that's, oh, sorry. That's not creative at all. No. Uh, you know, I just found that very disgusting, and further, uh, further made me disgusted over the over the clown um, himself. You know, so um, I've never revered McDonald's as his. Well, high. you don't have to revere it, but there's a certain sense of like, well, you have to be creative. I know you respect it. that. that no, kind I mean, of you have stuff. to have a certain kind of an imagination to. Claw your way to the top. Steal a steal a company from a uh, from two brothers working in a. Uh, well, I didn't California. see I, I didn't see the film, so I don't know what it, what it involves. But you know, art is about, uh, yeah, art is art. Anyway, um, back on this movie. Um, it, it uh, well, I've I've spoken enough about mm. this movie. What other aspects of this movie? Um, you? it made me very angry. Where I mean, I don't know, bad way, but it made me angry. Where. He comes back to his home and he he's just like I'm sorry but you you can't come back here and that fucking weasel and I'm sorry in the government that was after him all these years and J Edgar Hoover yeah yeah and of course there was this scene with the whole trial and everything and how they manipulated that and it doesn't matter James how, Woods yeah, that was James Woods right it doesn't matter how many times I see it in whatever movie but basically what was happening there is once again um, human beings being manipulated by fear and by what they, they, they do not know. Yeah. And it's not... I do not lay J. Edgar Hoover as the one singly responsible for that. The people in those courtroom in that courtroom was responsible for being bamboozled and manipulated. And if you get manipulated, then it's on you because you should not fall for that. Every single time we 
give in to fear, you give way to hate. And you essentially, you banish an individual who has given so much to this country, to your country apparently. Then again, and then of course, as we usually do, we just forget and we, uh, we you know, by, let bygones be bygones. And then when he's an old man, you know what? Let's give him a trophy for our, for his trouble and let's invite him back here. Fear leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering, says a wise green man. But again, it, it, it really highlights the perpetual cycle that this uh-huh. country does. It's like we, we do horrible things and then to make up for it, we just give you a trophy and like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be a dick. Yeah. Um, and you can see how hesitant he was to come back because he considered America his home and he was kicked out from that, which he never should have been kicked out from. Yeah. And he, and he left in a horrible way where people did hate him. And as soon as, uh, as soon as he did that spot at the Oscars, he pretty much got up and left and moved, uh, moved into Switzerland where he lived the rest of his life. He, he's, his remains are in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just like one of those things, you know, and, uh, Una, Una, his wife, his late wife, uh, never came back to the States. After that night? After, after that, you know, she pretty much lived with, with, uh, with him and they, she helped raise his kids and everything like that. So, uh, there was definitely this, this, like the little thing. Nice little tale between them too. Yeah, really great relationship. Uh-huh. Happy it worked out for him in the end after a string of failed relationships. And really uh-huh. is um, it warms the heart to, to to see that can happen to somebody like him, especially. I will say though, it was quite touching to see how emotional he did get once he realized that his work not only was remembered but beloved, revered. Right? Revered. Yeah, and it's so revered. A lot. Kind of, it, it reminded me of how in that one episode of Doctor Who. Where they brought back Vincent Vince Van, Van Gogh. Right. Yeah, Vincent and the Doctor, which, by the way, hashtag feels. Um, One of the best episodes of the series, but yeah. Yeah, so I think... <sighs> Most emotional, for sure. Um, overall, what do you what do you think about Chaplin? I mean, I, I, we could go on for... I could go on forever talking I, about I, I liked it very much. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite biopic, but I think it's a very good biopic. Very uh-huh. good movie. I uh, enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. I loved uh, RD Day's performance and it made me respect Charlie Chaplin much more. Uh, it also not only made me respect uh, Charlie Chaplin, but it also made me respect uh, RDJ that much more mm. as well because of the way that he sunk into his performance. Anytime you could see like the character, not the actor, that's where I, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's a great actor right there doing his fucking job. And, and that's I would what, say it's a mission accomplished. Not in the George W. kind of way. But in a real kind of way. And mission accomplished. <laughs> um, oh. No. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, I I think uh, I think Chaplin is a is a great movie to watch. I think it's uh, I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated. Yeah, for an Academy Award. For an Academy Award for this movie, and it clearly shows. It clearly shows like great work to be. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, that was to the table. I think Lady fell asleep. Yeah, uh, we have my dog, Lady lady with us um so ladies and gentlemen that was uh, to the table did you like what you heard here and if you did check out uh podcast.com itunes.com and google play um and if you want to see our bright and shiny faces you could check out uh youtube and soon we're going to be doing some uh some uh, jurassic uh, jurassic world stuff later on speaking of richard attenborough um more horror and, and horror <laughs> uh, so guys this is Red Spotlight Entertainment bye
Thank you.